What's going on, everyone? I'm not Travis Brown, but this is the My Aggie Nation podcast. I actually am Alex Miller, not to be confused with UMass's assistant head coach, Alex Miller, but Alex Miller of the Eagle, joined always by Robert Cessna, the man, the myth, the legend of the Eagle. Cease, how goes it on this Wednesday afternoon recording it? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. It's Let's be honest, it's kind of a downer after the way the football season is gone, but I think it's kind of sunk in that the season is basically over except for a couple games. And uh, I guess for a lot of people, they're mad, I get it, and frustrated, but there's a little bit of relief. I, I mean, it's, it's just like you kept holding out hope and, okay, let's just, let's just move on. Let's get the basketball, baseball, softball. It, it just is what it is, and I feel like a weight was left off lifted off a lot of people. I mean, maybe even some of those players, God bless them, because it was tough every time you turned around, like, what's wrong with you guys? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's over. Let's let's move on. Yep. A&M, they've hit a 50-year low in football pretty much, losing six straight games for the first time since 1972. The Aggies are going to be ineligible for a bowl game for the first time since 2008 when they went 4-8. and eight. Seems they might be on track to match that mark this year. That was in Mike Sherman's first season. Uh, probably didn't see this coming in Jimbo's fifth season, though, at A&M. Uh, Cease, you've been at the Eagle for a number of years now. Where does this season just kind of stack up in terms of disappointment and maybe even failure for, for the Aggies? It's funny you should mention that because I was thinking about it when people have asked me. I, can't, I, I hit Bryan College Station in 1974. I've been here for a while. And you have to remember, I grew up in Pennsylvania, big Penn State fan, big Joe Paterno fan. Uh, obviously, Penn State won a lot. I watched that program come up as a youngster because uh, Joe made them a national right. uh, power when they were just people laughed at them. I got down here, I'll never forget, going to my first game, it was Clemson, and people laughed about Dana was at a down point then, and it was like, oh, you know, we just want to be able to kiss our dates. Uh, you know, it wasn't going that well. And then Emory Blard did a pretty good job, and the, things kind of went up from there. My point being is A&M's been here before. A&M's been down, but not like this. No one saw this coming because expectations were so high, and because of social media, because of the national uh, attention, what have you, this – by far is the worst because of what was expected and where they're at. You can talk about 77-0 and Franchoni. I can remember when they wanted to run Tom Wilson out when he had like a 2-7 start and they were 4-7. and seven. And I remember people telling me about the 60s, how bad things were. Uh, we all know, like you said, uh, Sherman's had a lousy year. We talk about someone's bad loss. Anytime bad losses, you're talking about bad. But really, this is kind of the worst What's expected? You know, back then you didn't have 50, 60, 70,000 students. So in a lot of ways, I feel this is the worst. Yeah, you know, Jimbo starting to be mentioned among the lights of Franchoni, Sherman, going back, you know, Wilson, some of these coaches that did not have successful tenures at A&M, whereas they brought him in to be mentioned among the likes of Cheryl Slocum and even Homer Norton, the one guy who actually won a national championship at A and M. 
Well, you look back when the season started, you know, the, the, the blow up with Saban, and a lot of Aggies liked all that because he stood up. Uh, talk about winning a national championship. And uh, he, had a, he had a chip on his shoulder, and Aggies had a chip on their shoulder. And it finally, you know, it's like, hey, Texas is way behind. When they come to the SEC, we're going to be so far ahead. That's the way Aggies thought, and rightfully so. They paid $95 million shelled out for, and then they're sitting here, you know, you're three and seven. I mean, can you imagine, and I don't care what you do in life, and you're thinking about the best, and then, you know, four months later, you're talking about, is this one of the worst? And I feel for everybody involved, uh, you know, whether it be Jimbo, the assistants, anybody at Bright Complex, it's tough on us covering it because Cessna asks tougher questions, uh, you know, be harder on them, whatever. I mean, it's like, what, what point is, is enough enough? Well, you know, we've talked at length about maybe the AM schematical problems, especially on offense. But in your column on Sunday, you know, you kind of went into detail noting just kind of the staggering number of injuries. And, you know, the list just seems to grow by the week. Uh, it certainly did against Auburn last week. And just how that's kind of hindered AM as the season's gone along. When, you, when they've had just a glimmer of hope, it just seems to be taken away by the next guy falling, falling down, getting injured. Well, let's be honest, going in this game, I'm saying to myself, you hear the rumors, for you, okay, a chain might not play. And I'm thinking, okay, a chain's not play. That's big. But you got Moose Muhammad. Uh, you've got uh, Stewart's coming on. Uh, Max Wright is, is a viable tight end. Right. Uh, Wegman had a big game against Ole Miss. I said, they can still pass for 350 against this bad Auburn team. Throw the ball around. They they can still win that game. Then you get out and you see Max Wright gets hurt early. Muhammad's not out there. And Sleeve gate. <laughs> and you're saying, who's gonna who's he gonna throw to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, forget about who's gonna block. Who's he gonna throw to? And I felt like I was covering a junior high game. You know, I mean, I can honestly say. I think back in the 70s when there were so few teams, we actually went out and covered a JV game at Bryan or, or consolidated you know, one or two. I felt like I was back at that because it looked like go deep, get open, see if I could and, – and, and this is major college football. And, man, like I said, I feel bad for everybody involved. I feel bad for the one step. I feel bad for guys like Damani Richardson. And, uh, and, and I just – I don't want to m- mention just those two and Antonio Johnson. But those guys, they're all – they had, like, all-American type efforts Saturday night in a worthless game. And I feel, you know, compliment them enough. And there were other ones that did the same, but nobody signed on for that. No, not at all. Well – Anum's hosting UMass this weekend. They're going to have to play two more football games. And the Aggies are like 33-and-a-half-point favorites, something like that. Line kind of varies depending on the site you look at. Does A&M cover that spread? Do they even score that many points this weekend, maybe? Well, I guess a lot of people out on their first dates hope so. It's pucker <laughs> up time because it's, it's, it's been a dry, kissless season, so to speak, if you took dates. I mean, come on. I mean, when I come down here, you know – being an ugly single guy, I go, wow, this is a great deal. You get to go to a place. I mean, this is something really good. But, you know, that in mind is that, 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 that's tough for these this team to score 21 points. I don't care if they're playing Blinn or Brian High, and you think maybe a chain wouldn't play. Why would he play? You want him to play against UMass. Uh, what about all these other guys? And then UMass is coming down. 
I feel they'll come in here, they'll walk in and go, oh, dang, it's a great place. You know, they're going to be a little bit fired up even at 11 a.m. So to answer your question, I, I think it's going to be tough from the cover a 33-point spread. I mean, if they – and if a gets up by 20, we are talking about this. I think they're tickled to death. Let's just take the 20-point win and go to the house. You don't want to get anybody else hurt. No. <laughs> Especially, you know, Jalen Preston kind of came out and said, what, they want to piss in LSU's cornflakes? I mean, <laughs> that's pretty good. I think, he, I, think he, I think he did a double take at AC when he said that, but – I think I he mean, did a double take at everybody. I think he did, but <laughs> – Needless to say, I mean, that's going to be Anon's bowl game. It's going to maybe be their Super Bowl. And so you want all hands on deck for that game. You know, LSU locked in. They're going to have the, the SEC championship game to play for. You know, maybe an outside chance at the playoff. I mean, Anon could really piss in their Cheerios and cornflakes if, if somehow they could pull off an upset win. I, I, I would give this team and this coaching staff – big kudos that they've never given up. They've never gone out there. I always go back to that Iowa State game, you know, a long time ago where you could tell A&M just gave up. I mean, Iowa State was was a good team, but that day they they just gave up. And you, you very seldom mention that on an A&M football team. So if there was ever a, a year where they could give up on games, this was the time. But they've never given up. Even you can take back to – Onside kick against South Carolina. They score late against Auburn. As bad as they've been, and they've been bad, they haven't given up. So what you're saying is they will rally the troops together to try to beat LSU, even though I think that would be a monumental task. But because of Jalen Preston, I love cornflakes, but I might never eat cornflakes again. (laughs) Well, the Aggies, you know, haven't quite punted on the year on the field, like you said, effort still seems to be there, but it's fair to say the season's lost. They're not going to a bowl game. It's going to end after next weekend, and change is probably going to come in some way, shape, or form. So as as A&M starts moving toward this last couple weeks of the season, knowing the end is near, what do you, what do you think some of the things that the Aggies are going to have to look to do when the season ends, to start trying to turn this ship around and get back on course to what they set out to do, and that's win a championship. It's hard for me to answer that question because, first of all, I want to know who's coming back. Right. Because, I, you know, a lot of those five stars, everybody makes fun of those five stars, you're Lane Kiffin, but uh, he'd love to have some of those five stars because some of those five stars have talent. Now, will they develop that talent here or somewhere else? And I understand Jimbo says they're tight together and all this, but until they're back – they're not back. So that's number one. Who's coming back on the players? Number two, who do they go out and get? Because right now I think, you know, this is Cease talking. They need a couple offensive linemen. They need a couple linebackers. And then depending on who leaves, they might need a receiver. They they might need a couple, one or two people in a defensive back. What does A-Chain do? What is, I mean, so that being said, then – what about the staff? I mean, it's like maybe the staff comes first because maybe they'll, maybe some players will opt to stay if they know somebody's leaving or if you can go out and get somebody else. So who in the staff's leaving? Because while they've coached hard, the scoreboard says they're, you're lousy. So there's got to be changes on the staff. You can't say, like, in my business here, you got to get stories out, you got to make deadlines. If sports misses deadline seven days in a row, 
You can't say, hey, we're going to get it tomorrow. No, let's get somebody else in that makes the deadline so something's got to change. So there's got to be a lot of changes, and I love everybody speculating because that's all we can do because we don't have enough of the pieces of the puzzle to know who they're going to get, who they might need to get, and that's on the staff. And Jimbo is the guy who knows some of the answers, and I guarantee you he's probably moving that way already as fast as he talks and fast as he thinks. And uh, it might happen quick as where we can tell the direction's gone because some of these players, you got to find your, your landing spot. So some of these players are going to leave. It's up to Jimbo and what staff's going to stay to keep them here quickly. So we might know pretty quick. Yeah, you know, no bowl game, no bowl practices, but certainly seems like it might be a eventful month <laughs> of December for the Aggies in terms of potential coaching changes, what players stay and go, and hey, how, what are they going to do about this recruiting class? They've only got 11 commits. Yeah. They've lost a couple guys here and there. You know, can they get anybody back on board? Can they can they try and get some guys that are some targets left out there? You know, can be hard to recruit when you go five and seven or four and eight. Well, once again, as I always say when you're a sports writer, you got to read the tea leaves. And I thought what's funny is I thought, if I'm not mistaken, that was the first time he mentioned about they might not sign that many players. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I thought, well, okay, you lose a couple players and suddenly you're not going to sign that many. That's probably not a good sign because you didn't say that because I've been here before where a coach has said, hey, we're going to sign 15 to 18. That's all we got left. And it was a different time. We've never heard anything about that until people have jumped off ship. Now he's saying we're doing great recruiting and we might not sign that many. Well, you know, we don't have a lot of dialogue back and forth with Jimbo, but I wonder did it happen before these guys jumped because a lot of the good guys are already decided. So, like I said, you're right. There's a lot to be decided between now and the national signing date next month and what's going to happen. Well, we'll get into that when that day comes. But as sour a season as A&M football's had, there's a little bit of optimism in some other sports. We'll get into that in the next segment. Welcome back to the My Nation podcast, everyone. Just talking about A&M football, but let's go around the horn real quick because football season's almost over, which means everything else is pretty much about to start. And let's start on the hardwood seas. Men's basketball, as bad as the Aggies have been in football, Anum men's basketball has folks hopeful as this season's starting. The Aggies, they're currently ranked for the first time since 2018, since they made the Sweet 16, and they're playing in the Myrtle Beach Invitational this weekend. There's a lot of mid-majors in this tournament, but if, if Anum can go out there and, and win, they could get a couple of nice net victories if, if they can come away with some wins there. Yeah, Buzz has done a good job molding that team. He's he, talk about going out and getting key pieces. He's done that the last two years when it looked like maybe they're going to run this guy off because he's making too much money and getting no results. But they've really taken strides in the last two years. And like like most fans, most, most hoped it would happen one or two years ago, but now it has. And now they're ready for it because, uh, you know, I was talking to Chip Howard. I haven't had a chance to see him in, in person. I'm looking forward to that. But he said students are showing up the last game. Uh, and once again, students love winning basketball because it's a close environment. You get into it. But you got to win. A&M's not a basketball school. 
But if you win, they will come. We've seen that under Gillespie. So this is a chance to be a real fun year because students want to go support a good basketball. And the SEC is good enough now. There's not enough rivalries. I get it. But there's enough ranked teams. The SEC is the most teams ranked in the top 25 men when you stop and think about it. So on any given game, you might not know Alabama that well. You might not know Arkansas players, you know, but other than Kentucky. But you'll need to go because you could be seeing two ranked teams, and everybody likes a ranked game. Tired take, SEC is the ultimate football conference. Wired take. SEC is a basketball league. <laughs> anyway, you know, you mentioned you mentioned kind of the the fan support and the students showing up. You know, when when Buzz was in his first couple years, you know, he was really it seemed locked into rebuilding the program, rebuilding the roster, always in the building, always working. And you know, it kind of seemed like things kind of flipped a little bit, and he kind of branched out toward the end of last season, especially when they made that run. They got to host a couple NIT games, and then, you know, last week he invited some of the students in to get the free pizzas and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Seems like he's really starting to get out there. Maybe maybe, maybe he had a little conversation with Gary Blair on how to reach the masses. Or maybe uh, <laughs> A.D. Bork had a, had a conversation with him. Because I feel in basketball, baseball, softball, you got to get out in the, in the community because you need the students – and you need the locals because it's not going to be like it is in football where you just got to roll out the ball and they all come into Cal Field. And I think, you know, even Billy Gillespie went out, even though he won, he went out to the students and he went out when they were waiting out for tickets for Texas or whatever. And I think you're right. Maybe Buzz didn't feel comfortable in his shoes uh, as far as molding people together, had that slight hiccup, you know, the church practice and all that. But, now, you're right, he does need to get out because people want to see him. They want to talk basketball and steal a little bit of Gary Blair. So it'll be interesting to see because I think they're, they are poised for a very successful season on and off the court. When I meant off the court, the fans, they want to show up. So we'll see if it They've got some visible true. faces, too, when you think about a guy like Henry Coleman. True. He's very in, interactive, engages well with fans. Wade Taylor's kind of the same way. So certainly helps when you have some of those familiar faces and guys are willing to go and do that and interact with the fans. So, you know, it's early in the season, but we really haven't gotten to talk a lot about men's basketball yet or just any other sport in general just because we've been neck high in, in football coverage. But how imperative is it for A&M to make the NCAA tournament this year? Well, you got to because that that's that's – you know, everybody talks about what's the level, what's, you know, where's the Mendoza line. It's got to make the tournament. I know last year was such a bummer. Uh, it was a lot written. I even wrote about it when, you know, it, people said, well, some people said they should have been in there. Well, don't lose seven in a row. I mean, A&M put themselves in position not to get picked. Make yourselves that there's no way. You know what they did? They went and they were, had success in the NIT. They're ranked 24th a lot because of what they did in the NIT. So that was great. You took you – took, this, the lemons you had, and you made lemonade. Well, now you need to step up to harder liquor. You need to get the fans out there and get really jacked up. So now they're in position to do that. So that that's to me that's not that's number one. They got to get the NCAA tournament. People get excited. It's only that it's amazing. I love I love March Madness. You know, I grew up up north. You have that two, three, four, five weeks. It's a great time of the year. 
but not if you're not in it. The NIT doesn't cut it. I get it. A&M did a lot, but you got to be in the NCAA tournament. Even sometimes if you go and just lose one game, it means so much. That hype for that week, everybody nationally is talking. Who is in your office pool? What teams did you get? What did you get? you got to be in the NCAA tournament. Well, on the women's side, Joni Taylor, her team, they're 2-0. and We're recording on a Wednesday cease. Anum plays Thursday night at Duke. Going to be their first big test. You know, as, as they're kind of getting things rolling here, new regime after Gary Blair's retirement, what are you kind of looking to see from this A&M squad as they kind of go through non-conference play? Well, I'll be a little bit of coach speak. You want to see improvement because a has got a long way to go. Uh, I mean, what Gary did, he built the program. He won a national championship with one of the worst programs in the country. But, you know, at the end, they dipped down. It, it happens to the best of them, whether people use that against them in recruiting, whatever. A&M was 14 and 15. When they lost their last six or seven games, it's almost a repeat of the, of the football team. And luckily, Gary retiring kind of offset that because that was a crappy year last year. That was the bottom line. I was doing my advance. I didn't realize they won one road game last year. One road game. If you're not, you're not good when you don't. And they had a senior ball club basically. The year before, they should have been one of the top seeds in the NCAA tournament. That's how fast it can go. He could have almost won a national championship. So Joni's got to pick up the pieces. It's going to take time. There's nine teams projected to make the NCAA tournament in women. And A&M's not even close right now to those nine. It's not what you want to hear if you're a rider or a fan because it's going to take time. But Joni is very uh, meticulous. You could see why she was hired. I think a great hire because she can recruit. Give me coaching. Give me talent. And then come see me in one or two years. Could they sneak up and get in the NCAA tournament? Sure, this year. Do I think they will? No. Just because you're chasing very talented teams and you're you know, the Kim Mulkeys of the world world can, can coach and the rest of them, uh, Mike Neighbors. So it's tough, but got the right coach. It's just going to take time. What well, people don't want to hear because they got spoiled with Gary, 15 straight years NCAA tournament, always showing up. Count on it. Can't count on it right now. Well, you know, you mentioned how A&M struggled so mightily on the road last year. A lot of their biggest non-conference games are away from home. You know, you think about Duke, got to go – uh, play at Kansas. They got the tournament mm-hmm. against Purdue and Dayton. You know, what would maybe be a successful mark for the Aggies when at entering conference play at the end of December? Wow! If you get if you get a couple of those wins, you know, if you get a couple all those teams you mentioned. Uh, I mean, as a coach, you always say winning, but I know she wants to see if they can compete well. But you know. Ain't having a rough time beating Duke when they had all their guns going and playing on the road. So can they make it a four-quarter game? Uh, I'll, I'll be a, a sports writer and being a little kind. If they if they're you know within ten, going in with four minutes to go in the game or whatever, I think that's I consider that a huge success. And you know Duke just picked in the middle of the road, the ACC, all those plays. So it's about competing. Uh, I mean she she showed. They blew out two teams, Army and, and AMCC. They can blow out the, those kind of teams. So what can they do against these kind of teams? Because I think they're weak inside. They don't have a lot of experience. Man, uh, great-looking two freshmen and a sophomore, but they got to take time. It takes time. Well, Cease, we'll close out with this. Swimming, swimming. The Aggies, they're hosting the Art Adamson Invitational this week. AM's looking to qualify some swimmers and divers for the postseason this spring. Just – 
kind of looking at where, where they're headed right there. Yeah, you look at the other sports, and sometimes all of us don't give them enough credit. Both men and women are in the top 25. Uh, Jay Holmes has got a couple, two or three studs coming in. Uh, they could be a top 10 program next year at this time, maybe even by the end of this year or whatever. So you look at the strides, Amen. Steve Boltman has had a couple, has had a, many several good years. Uh, this is a prelude to the SEC championships and the NCAA tournament, believe it or not, this championships. This this meet is a huge meet. They got good competition. And I know a lot of people love swimming in this town just like they love softball, tennis. And when those teams win, you look at Mark Weaver did, you look what they did in golf. Swimming has done the same thing. And, of course, what Pat Henry has done is unbelievable. But football, I think, has taught everybody don't take those top – when you see number 22 A&M women's swimming team, number 14 A&M men's swimming team, and I, even as a writer, okay, they're 22. Okay, they're 14. Yeah, you expect the top 25. But when you're writing the A&M football team, three and seven, you go, whoa, you better enjoy success in your support sport when you have it. Worse than 50 years. Not a great mark for the Aggies. 50 years. And I'm laughing when, you know, I think of a lot of things. 1972, and I laughed and I wrote that. Even I wasn't here. I wasn't even here covering any A&M sports at that point. I was still back in Pennsylvania. And I go, that's not the reference you want. No, it is not. Well, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Miami Nation Podcast. Be sure to check theeagle.com for all of our coverage on AM Athletics. We'll see you next week.